Your potential is limitless. Did you know that? Okay, we're going to... Let's try that again. That was terrible. Your potential is limitless. Did you know that? You did? Oh, that's good. I'm glad you did. You're like, I don't know what the right answer was there. I feel like I, I, feel like I did it wrong both ways. We've been studying a particular scripture. It was our vision series scripture. It's, it's our series scripture for this mini uh, kind of refocus for our church community. It's Ephesians 4.1. It says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. I pull something out of this every time I read it, but to lead a life, you know, um, we, can, we can say I'm stretching a longbow here, but if you are attempting to get your life to head in a particular direction, it requires you to self-lead yourself, right? Lead a life is a way of saying live a life, but it's also we can be reminded in that that to lead a life means it's a life that needs to be led. You are not going to arrive at a life worthy of your calling by accident. It requires intentionality on your part. It requires discipline on your part. It requires changes on your part. Okay? You don't get fit just hoping that you get fit. All right? You don't know the Bible just hoping by osmosis that it gets into your mind and your heart and your soul. All right? It requires that we lead ourselves into the life worthy of the calling that God has for us. Second to that, these last week and this week, I've, I've also used a secondary scripture, Romans 8, 28, because we all love that one, all right? That's the one that everyone like, yes, it's my favorite scripture. God can do all good things for me. That's not what it says. Um, God can do all the good things I want. That's also not what it says. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. So not everything is good. Not everything that happens in your life is going to be good. <laughs> All right? And not everything bad that happens is a signal that God is not with you and not at work in your life. I mean, you don't need to read much of the Bible to realize that not all the things that happened to pretty much every single person in Scripture was good. <laughs> All right? Let's not make a false criteria for confirmation that we're living in the call of God. Goodness, good experiences, happiness, wealth. I mean, we can put a whole lot of things in the criteria that we create to confirm for us, well, if I get these things, then that must mean I am living in the call of God. That would be a really unhelpful criteria to create for yourself. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We talked about that last week. Not, it's not my purpose. It's not like, God, I have a 10-week plan, I have a five-year plan, and I have a decade plan, and I would like you to make sure that that all happens according to what I would like, and if you could sprinkle some, like, some good along the way, like a new car, like an Aston Martin sometime, that would be fantastic, God. Um, if you could make that happen, that would be terrific. I'd like that particular house that I love, and I would like it. In three years' time, because then I'll need it, because by that point, we'll definitely have three kids and we'll need the extra bedroom. And then when that doesn't happen, it railroads our relationship with Jesus, because our relationship with Jesus was built on me getting what I want for my purpose, not surrendering to his purpose and not giving my life to him to use how he wishes. 
But I thought I would go a little verse further today, if that's all right, if that's all right. But I feel like verse 29 is going to really help you. Okay, so it says, for God knew his people in advance. And just, I'm just going to preempt, if you're watching this on YouTube, this is not going to be a discussion around, around God's predestination. Okay, we're not going there. Okay. It says, for God knew his people. He is all-knowing. He knows things, and we don't understand how he knows things, and we don't understand the, the, the blending of his sovereignty and his knowledge and our free will. We don't get it. Live in the mystery. All right? For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's what's really interesting about that. Here you go. You're going to get my whole message right at the start. When we read Romans 8.28, it says, He's causing all things to work together for the good of those who love him and according to his purpose. If we don't read verse 29, we misunderstand his purpose. Because verse 29 goes on to explain to us what his purpose is. All right, we get stuck up on the whole, well, he, he knew his people in advance. Oh, what, so some are called and some aren't? Just, uh, just uh, shelve that thing. And focus on the fact that he outlines the fact that his purpose is that you are called to conform to the image of his son. So if you want to know what his purpose is, it's not a destination for you to arrive at. It's a transformation for you to engage with. So if you want to know what you're called to in this life, stop, stop trying to make it an arrival point. Stop trying to make, well, when I, get here, when I get into my call, no, no, no. You're in your calling because God's purpose for you is to be called to confirmation into the image of his son. We get stuck waiting to arrive at a place and a time and a whole, all these things connected to our life and we don't understand that that's not God's purpose for our life. I mean, if we, if we add those things, great. If he adds those things, great. It's not the purpose. The purpose is that we would be transformed in the journey. This is what I love about Emma and Isaac's testimony, right? Like it wasn't so much about the pregnancy and getting the baby. That's a fantastic conclusion, and I love that, and I will celebrate every time God comes through, and you see your prayers answered in the way that you want. I will celebrate that every day of the week, but do you want to know what else I will celebrate? I will celebrate you telling me that God has challenged you on how you trust him when you didn't get the thing you were praying for. That's being conformed into the image of his son. Or how about how now you're not as, as, as envious as someone else's life who has what you want that you don't have? Getting what you want is not his purpose. You becoming like his son is. That's it. We're going to pray for people. And uh, oh. Now, look, I said to you last week that there were two critical components that I wanted to kind of bring home in this mini refocus. Last week, we talked about context. We talked about the fact that actually you are, yeah, it doesn't matter the context because Whatever context you're in, you are to live as if you are called by God into that space. Whether you're raising kids as a parent, whether you're at university, whether you are in a job that you love, or whether you're in a job that you hate, it doesn't really matter, okay? What matters is how we engage in the places that he's positioned us right now. Okay, so, so the context for your calling is wherever you are right now. It's everywhere that you are right now. That was last week, and I said to you last week there was going to be another thing this week and that you needed to show up to hear it, so well done you. But the second thing I want to talk about that I believe is a critical component 
in being effective because we can be ineffective. We can be totally ineffective in this life. But to be effective, the second thing I want to talk about is actually your character. So we just mentioned the calling is more about transformation than our destination. Sometimes I think we can get stuck waiting for him to tell us where to go and what to do. This is classic, right? We, we're all about like, God, what place have you called me? We're, we're waiting to apply for our university uh, uh, thing, course. There it is. It's been a while. Now we're waiting to apply for our university course. I'm like, God, what have you called me to do? And he's like, it doesn't really matter. Just, just choose something and be a light in that place. And you might find along the way that that's not your best fit. And I'll help you change. But we get stuck trying to get the place right, and we miss trying to get our heart right. We get, we get so jammed up trying to make sure we make the right decision locationally or destinationally, just made up that word, you can have it for free, <laughs> that we don't actually allow any transformation to take place in our lives on the journey. The context of our calling will always provide us with the circumstances we need for our conforming. You see, we think we are called into a place for our impact, but our impact is only as significant as our character allows it. And so if you want to be more effective, I mean, sure, come to the discovery sessions. I'll help you learn some stuff about yourself. I'll help you learn kind of how God made you because I, I still believe that you are designed with activity in mind. There's certain things you are great at naturally and you're going to gravitate towards that as you journey through life. So that's actually not as important as making sure you're the person you need to be to be effective when you arrive in the places that that journey takes you. And sometimes, sometimes God will open doors. Sometimes God will be really clear. He will shift you. He will move you. He'll create an opportunity, and you'll feel in your spirit, yes, this is a God thing. I need to step into this. But do you want to know what? Most of the time, it's not like that. Most of the time, we get choice. Because God is less concerned with the context than he is with your character. And so he's quite happy, actually, for you to make a bad choice. Because some of the greatest lessons that we can learn happen in difficulty. Some of the greatest transformation in our lives happen when we realize that maybe we took a wrong turn or we did a wrong thing, and we allow ourselves to be humble enough to receive that and be transformed in that, because there's absolutely, it, it, it is nothing for God to go, oop, oop, back on course. Wrong courses are not a big deal for God. In fact, because he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, it becomes a good thing for us in the long run that we took the wrong thing because of what it did in us. And so then as we, as we allow him to move us and, and drift us and guide us and we arrive over here and we're like, wow, this is way more in alignment with what I, I'm good at doing, we realize, oh my goodness, that was so valuable, that was so critical. If that didn't happen, if God didn't allow me to make that wrong step, I would never have done the inner work needed to stand in the place that he wanted me to be effective. So a couple of things. 
maybe our young people should have stayed in. But you know, we're, we're classic. Maybe it was just my generation. We're classic in youth ministry. We put so much pressure on young people. You've got to find what you're called to. You've got to find what you're called to. And we forget that the most important thing for them to know they're called to is called to him. Called to a relationship with him. Called to do whatever part of their life, wherever they are, in whatever season they're in, to be doing it with him so that they can actually live out the greatest call on their life, which is to be transformed in the image of God's son, Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a parent, you have so much power to free young people from the pressure of needing to get every choice right in their life. You don't need to choose the right subjects or you'll miss your calling. You don't need to choose the right uni degree or you'll miss your calling. You don't need to choose the, like, the right university. The right, it, God is big enough to ensure you arrive in the places he's pre-planned for you to be at the time that he's planned for you to be there. He's more concerned with the journey so that you're the person he needs you to be when you get there. Please lift the pressure off our young people and teach them how to have a real relationship with Jesus. So no matter what their life brings up, they are in the right place at the right time because the right place is with him. The right place is in him. The right place is is not about what's out here, but about what's in here and who's in here with them. We've got to stop causing fear of getting it wrong in the lives of believers. We're so afraid to get it wrong. We've put such an undue pressure on ourselves that is rooted in actually a lack of trust in God's capacity to position us at any point in time in our life, when he wants, where he wants. And so the fear that we carry of getting something wrong is actually completely rooted in our need to control the fact that we want to get it right and we don't trust God. Any area of your life that you are trying to control is an indicator that you need to trust more. I don't like hearing that, just so you know. I would li- like, like can, we, can we be honest for a second? I would like to control how many of you show up on a Sunday. I can't do that, and I have to trust God that he's working in you, and actually the amount of people here doesn't matter. I would like to control a whole lot of things in my life. I would like to control my children, sometimes my wife, in Jesus' name, when she goes to the groceries and comes back with new jeans. I, I did say it was okay. I did, yeah, we talked, we talked. But I have learned... that any area that I recognize I'm trying to control to get an outcome that I think I should get, 
or like that should be the right thing. God, like, like and we trick ourselves. Someone, once, someone great once said, we use God to hide from God. Or we use God to run from God. So we say spiritual things and, and, and we kind of, it's not that we don't actually mean it, we've constructed surface spirituality which feeds, it creates a feedback loop in us that satisfies us that, well, no, 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 but I'm doing good things. But we're using this surface spirituality to hide from the fact that we don't trust God. And so we can't get close enough to God. We can't be intimate enough with God to let Him change the things in us that would cause a mind-blowing amount of effectiveness for His kingdom. Because we're so busy with a constructed surface spirituality that keeps us just separate enough from God, but doing spiritual things that make us feel great. You know, Rachel and I, 11 years ago, uh, we moved over to London. It was fantastic. Had the time of our lives. Where's Ellen? Side of stage. Ellen's heading off at some point. April 13. It's April 13. Flight's booked. 19. April 19. Heading over to London. And you know, we felt something in our spirit when we went. We knew that in some way God was preparing us to take a step in the level of our effectiveness. We'd been serving in youth ministry. We'd been through some stuff as a young married couple. Who knows, those first few years are so, like, they're formative. It's like two worlds come from out here, and it's like, and as you go through life, the, the things just get less and less. You know, there's more, more alignment. And we were over there, and we were fasting, and we were praying, and we were like, we're so desperate to hear. God, tell us what's next. Tell us what we should do. And we had these three really clear all amazing opportunities in front of us. All godly. We had an opportunity to stay in London. I have a British passport. We had jobs. We could have stayed. Loved the C3 church, C3 London. It's an amazing little church, growing new leadership. But we could have stayed there. We would have sewed in. I was on the bump in team. Where's all our bump in guys? Come on. One of the greatest teams in church, that team. Rachel Servant and Kids. We were, just, we, were just, we were just being there. We were just serving the house. But we knew we could have stayed. We had an opportunity to move to America with, uh, with great friends and our mentors and pastors. You, some of you would have remembered Adam and Kira. We had an opportunity to go and, and be with them, get visas and go and be a part of that. And we had an opportunity to come home. And we wrestled those three for 12 months. And you're waiting for me to say that we heard so clearly that at the end of the 40-day fast, God spoke to us in a burning bush like He spoke to Moses. Do you know the most profound thing someone said to us that whole time that shaped the decision we made? We were having a Zoom with Rachel's dad and he said, what, what do you want to do? And we're like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know we had that level of permission. You know? And we said, well, yeah, actually, we love it here. We, we would love it. But, you know, like, we kind of want to come home right now. Like, it's been great, but, you know, we want to come home. We had no idea what God had planned. 
And I have no doubt that wherever we had chosen to go, we would be operating in leadership. I would be speaking the word because that is the way, the uniqueness of my design by my Father in heaven points to an activity that I would have done. The context doesn't really matter. It was the journey. It was the seeking Him. It was the laying down, a desire for wherever. It was those things that are about the inner me that God was doing that year as opposed to getting the right destination in the long run. We would have built the church wherever we went. We would have led people to Jesus wherever we went. We would have discipled people wherever we went. Those things are preordained on my life, on Rachel's life, on our, our marriage because we walk in a calling that is a oneness. It wouldn't have mattered where we went. What mattered was who we were when we got there. Your potential is unlimited. What gets in the way is not where you should be, but your character when you get there. I want to take a real quick look for a second at the life of Moses. Quick life synapses, if you will. He was born. His parents were like, oh, you're special. No one's ever said that before about their kid. But do you want to know what was interesting? As a baby, through no decision of Moses's, he was perfectly positioned. He was perfectly positioned through incredible difficulty. He was perfectly positioned through incredible suffering. I'm going to say something really potentially offensive right now. But don't discount what God can use because you had an incredibly difficult childhood. I didn't say it was good. But I'm telling you, God will use whatever you have worked through, walked through, and worked through, let's be honest. Let's not leave it unworked. But he becomes perfectly positioned through nothing he did. Pharaohs put this edict out. Every Hebrew child, they got to die. Moses' parents are like, well, you're special. So let's put you in a basket of reed. Let's cover you. Let's send you in the river. There are times in our life where the hand of God ensures we're positioned right. But it's often rarely about that moment. So he positioned Moses to be perfectly positioned in about 40 years' time. But he initiated it back here. Because in 40 years' time, after Moses has been raised as an Egyptian, but birthed as a Hebrew, he takes... Raised as, a, raised as an Egyptian, birthed as a Hebrew. Then he kind of takes a step, if you know the story. He's like, oh, it's, I don't think it's a great thing that these Egyptians are oppressing my people. And he goes out and he kills an Egyptian. And then he has an interesting conversation the next day when two of his Hebrew mates are fighting and the Hebrews are like, 
or who made you judge and ruler over us? I don't know if anyone's ever prophesied something over you. You had no idea until 20 years later how right they were. After that, Moses flees. He lets fear in and he flees. He flees to the desert. Throughout Scripture, what we see is the desert, the desert is God's like development space. We think we're in obscurity. When we're sitting in the back of that university class wondering what the heck am I doing, we think we're in obscurity. No, no, no. We're exactly where God needs us to do work on our character. One of the first prophetic words I ever had over my life, I would have been maybe, maybe 10, Port Macquarie. Someone I didn't even know. I don't even know. It was, I went to a random Pentecostal church. First time I've ever been in a Pentecostal church. I was raised at Anchor and walked into this place. Mum took me. Some preacher guy was up, right? Calls me down the front. I don't even know what's going on. He starts prophesying how I'm a Samuel. How when I get older, I'm going to live in the house of God. I'm going to lead people. I was nine. I hadn't even gone off the rails yet. I hadn't even found alcohol like as a, as a minor yet. You know what I mean? Like, we might need to cut that out of the YouTube clip. I hadn't found nightclubs. I hadn't found any of that. But I went through all that. And all through that, God didn't stop me because God knew he was going to use it. God knew he was going to use it to reveal stuff in me. And when I got to a point of brokenness where I realized I really was broken, how sweet that moment when you know and yet your Father in heaven meets you in that place and says, you're accepted, I love you. How beautiful the moment when you realize your own brokenness and yet realize it doesn't stop you or restrict you from relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you, you would think that finding out how broken you really are would be one of the worst moments in your life. And that's not to say it's not painful, but can I tell you when Romans 8.28 says, God can work all things together for good, that moment is one of the best moments of my life because it's the moment that changed the trajectory unbelievably into things with God and how great it is to walk with Jesus. No matter what I do for Him, Moses, he's run, he's out in the desert. And we arrive years later when Moses has allowed fear and character flaws that got him in trouble in the first place. He stepped into things a bit too quick, you know to be distant. We arrive at Exodus, the burning bush, and God calls out to Moses, 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 you want to know what the most important thing about living a life on purpose for God is? It's being available. As Moses' response is, here I am, Lord. Here I am. It doesn't matter where you are, as long as here I am, Lord, is your response to God's calling. Maybe some of you this morning feel as though you are in a desert. You feel as though your life is completely disconnected from any true source of joy, purpose, reason, meaning, 
can I tell you the reason you feel like that is because you are disconnected from Jesus Christ. Bible says that actually that's how all of us are because of sin. But that when Jesus died on a cross, it says that that moment was the moment that all of our sin was paid for and the way to connect with God was opened wide for every single person. And every one of us has a burning bush moment in our lives where God says our name and he calls us to himself. And he is waiting this morning to see if there is anybody here today that would say, here I am, Lord. I don't know you, which is what Moses says next. He goes, how can I tell people about you? I don't even know who you are. And God says, I'll tell you who I am. 